room, surrounded by five chairs, each of which seated a man. I didn't recognize the four on the sides, but there was no way to mistake the man sitting in the middle. It was Heathcliff the Paladin. There was nothing imposing about his appearance. He looked to be a man in his twenties, rather scholarly, with a pointed face, as if filed down. Grayish bangs flowed over his high forehead. His tall and slender body was draped in a crimson robe that made him look less like a swordsman than the magicians that this game notably lacked, but it was his eyes that were most notable. Those brass call or irises seemed to throw a magnetic field over whatever they met. I'd been around him before, but I felt as intimidated as if it were our first meeting. Asuna strode over to the table, her boots clicking, and gave a brief bow. I've come to say my farewell. Heathcliff gave a wry smile. There's no need to rush to that. Conclusion. Let me talk with him first. And he cast his gaze upon me. I lowered my hood and walked. Up next to Asuna. I don't believe we've met outside of the boss battles, Carido. Not quite. We did speak briefly at the planning meeting for the 67th floor, I answered politely. Heathcliff gave a slight nod, then clasped his angular hands together on top of the table. That was a painful battle. We nearly lost some good people in that one. They call us the top guild, but our abilities are constantly stretched to the breaking point. And yet, you want to read Dash. Move one of our core members, a pillar of our guild. If she's that important, you should put more care into picking. Her guards, the burly man in the rightmost chair, bolted out of his seat at. My curt reply, his face a dark mask. But Heathcliff held up a hand. Calmly. Coradiel is serving a period of house arrest. I apologize for his transgression. But I'm afraid we cannot watch our vice commander leave without so much as a comment, Carito. He stared me down. I could sense a powerful will behind the metallic glimmer of those eyes. If you want her, you must take her by sword, your duel. Blades, in fact. Fight me, and if you win, you may take a with. You. Lose, and you must join the Knights of the Blood. I finally felt as though I was beginning to understand the Maestrius man. He was drawn to the allure of battle. And he had absolute faith. In his abilities. Even trapped prisoner inside this game of death, he still couldn't cast off his gamer's ego. Just like me. Asuna had been silently listening to everything Heathcliff said, but she couldn't hold back any longer. Commander, I'm not saying I want to quit the guild. I just need a bit of personal time to think about my situation. I placed a hand on Asuna's shoulder as she tried to plead her case and took a step forward. I walked directly into Heathcliff's gaze. My mouth seemed to move on its own. I accept. Speaking with my sword is my preference anyway. Let's settle this with a duel. You jerk. You stupid, stupid jerk. We were back upstairs at Agile's store in Algade. I kicked the owner back down the stairs when he tried to peek in and observe, and now I was desperately trying to calm Asuna down. 
I was going to try and convince him myself. Why did you have to say that? She was sitting on the armrest of my rocking chair, bopping me with her little fists. Sorry, I said I was sorry. I just couldn't help it. I grabbed her wrists and held them lightly to make her stop. With this method of venting, denied her, she settled on puffing out her cheeks instead. It was hard not to laugh at the difference between this Asuna and the one who was all business at the guild. Don't worry about it. We'll be safe, it'll be under the one-hit victory rule. Besides, it's not like I'm guaranteed to lose. Arf, Asuna groaned and crossed her slender legs, still sitting on the armrest. When I saw your dual blades in action, it seemed like you were on another dimension entirely in terms of power. But that goes for the commander's holy sword ability, too, his aura of invincibility practically destroys the game balance. I honestly don't know which of you will win. Besides, what happens if you lose? Not only will I not get a break, but you'll be forced to join the Cobb. Depending on how you think of it, that might satisfy my goal. As well. Huh? Why? I had to force myself to continue. I mean, as long as I'm with you, that's all I need. Previously, you couldn't have held me upside down and shaken those words out of me. Asuna's eyes went wide with surprise, and her face blushed red so fast it was practically audible. As the pause stretched on, she got up from her chair and went to stand by the window. Over her shoulder, Algate buzzed with its usual activity in the evening light. I'd told her the honest truth, but I still didn't want to join a guild. I thought about the guild I'd been in before, the guild that no longer existed, and a dagger of pain jabbed into my chest. I won't go down that easily, I told myself. I got up and joined. Asuna, at the window. After a few moments, I felt her head rest. Lightly against my shoulder. 13. The main town of the newly opened 75th floor was built. Like an ancient Roman city. According to the map, its name was. Kalinia. Between the warriors, the traders, and the tourists, who weren't going to spend time at the front line, but still wanted to see the new city, it was a madhouse of activity. On top of all that, the grand event unfolding today meant that the teleport gate square had been bustling since sunrise. The town was built of massive, chalky white blocks of stone. In addition to the temple-like buildings and canals, there was one. Other significant feature of Kalinia, an enormous Colosseum, looming over the teleport gate. Coincidentally, it was the perfect place for the duel between Heathcliff and me. And yet, fire-breathing corn, just ten call. Nice cold black ale here. The entrance to the Colosseum was buzzing with merchants, hawking suspicious food to the lengthy lines of visitors hoping to see the event. W.H. What's going on here? I asked Asuna, completely. Stunned. I, don't know. Hey, are those Cobb members selling tickets over there? Why? Has this turned into a huge event? I, don't know. This wasn't what Heathcliff was planning all along, was it? I'm guessing this is Dazen's handiwork. 
I tell you, those AC countants know their business. She chuckled. My shoulders. Slumped. Let's run away, Asuna. We'll find a nice secluded little village, down around the twenties, and tend to some fields. I wouldn't mind, she said, straight-faced. But I have a feel ing that if you run away from all of this, you'll be absolutely infamous. Damn. Well, you made your bed, and now you have to sleep in it. Oh, Daizen. I raised my head and saw a very portly man with a rippling. Belly approaching, proving definitively that it was, in fact, possibly for the red and white cob uniform to look bad on someone. Thank ye kindly, thank ye kindly, he called out, a wide grin. Plastered across his round face, we're doing a brisk business on. Account OU, Carito. The only thing that'd make this better is if. You decided to hold it every month. In your dreams. Come, the change in room is right this way. Go on, my friend. I dejectedly followed after the plotting man. My mood was. Quickly growing fatalistic. The changing room was a small chamber that bordered the arena grounds. Daizen showed me to the door, then said something about adjusting odds and disappeared. I couldn't even muster up a snappy reply. The stadium must have been full, since I could hear the crowd from there. Once we were alone, Asuna squeezed my wrist in both hands and looked me straight in the face. Even in a one-hit match, you have to watch out for the critical. Hit on a heavy attack. There are aspects to his sword skills that even I don't know about. If you feel endangered at any time, just resign. And if you push yourself like the last time, I'm holding it against you. Worry about Heathcliff, not me. I gave her a wry grin and patted her shoulders. On top of the distant thunder of the crowd, an amplified voice was announcing the start of the match. I pulled my swords, just a sliver out of the scabbards, crossed over my back and then pushed them back in with a satisfying ching. The square of light leading out of the waiting room beckoned. The circular arena was surrounded by fully packed stands, arranged in steps. There had to be at least a thousand people gathered. I could see Agile and Klein in the front row, shouting, Rather unsavory suggestions, like, cut him down, and, kill him. I stopped when I reached the center of the Colosseum. As soon. As I did, a red silhouette appeared from the waiting room on the. Other side. The cheers grew louder. Heathcliff wasn't wearing the usual cob pattern of red on a, white background, this time it was a full crimson surcoat. Like. Me, he chose a minimum of armor, but it was hard to ignore the. Enormous white crucifix shield on his left hand. His sword must have been equipped behind the shield, as I could see the hilt protruding over the top. He strode up matter-of-factly, paused to glance around at the crowd, and gave me a pained grin. I'm sorry about this, Carito. I didn't realize it had turned into such a production. I should collect appearance fees. No. You'll be a member of the guild at the end of this duel. I'll treat it as a regular assignment. He stopped smiling, and I felt the overwhelming force of his brass-colored eyes again. 
they were so overpowering that I stumbled back a step. We were lying on beds far, far apart in the real world, everything between us a mere exchange of digital data, but I felt something powerfully ethereal from him, a palpable, more derouse intent. With a mental flick of my brain, I was in battle mode. The roar of the crowd died away as I focused solely on Heathcliff's gaze. Even the colors around me began to shift, as though my mind was already accelerating. Heathcliff looked away, backed up to a distance of about ten yards, and raised his hand. He manipulated the game window. That appeared without looking at it, and a dual message appeared. In front of me. I accepted. The victory condition, first strike. A countdown began. The roar of the crowd was muted down to. A dull murmur. All the blood in my body pulsed faster. I gripped the reins. Around my instinct to fight and stifled a slight hesitation. Reach ing over my back with both hands, I pulled both swords out at. Once. This was not an opponent that I could afford to give anything but my best. Heathcliff drew a slender longsword from behind his shield. And held it out. His form as he pointed the shield toward me was easy and net dash. Ural, no imbalance, no awkward force. I suspected that attempt ing to guess his first move would only confuse me, and I prepared to strike with everything I had. Neither of us gave our countdown windows even the briefest glance. Yet we both leaped forward at the exact instant that the word duel appeared in midair. I darted in low, gliding just over the ground. As I reached Heathcliff, I twisted, striking down left with my right sword. The cross shield blocked it, sending up a burst of sparks. But my attack was twofold. A tenth of a second later, my left blade slipped. Around the side of the shield, a dual blade charging attack, doubly circular. Just before the latter swing could hit his side, he met it with his own sword. A circular visual effect bounced off harmlessly. It was a good attack that he blocked, but this was just my initial. Greeting. The attack's momentum allowed me to maintain distance and regroup. This time, Heathcliff responded by charging with his shield. It was hard to see what his right hand was doing behind that massive cover. Tisk. I clicked my tongue, dashing right to avoid it. I figured that if I circled in the direction of the shield, I might not see the attack's initial location but at least it'd be easier to avoid it. Instead, Heathcliff pulled his shield up parallel to the ground. And MMF. With a heavy grunt, he thrust the pointed end of the shield at me. The massive cross darted in close, trailing white light. Whoa. I had to cross both swords in front of me to block the blow. The powerful shock wave rattled throughout my body, and I was knocked back several feet. I jabbed my right sword into the ground to keep from falling over, did a flip in midair, and landed on my feet. So the game recognized his shield as being capable of an attack. He might as well have been double-wielding himself. I'd figured that having more chances to attack was my key to victory in a one-hit battle, but this was coming out of left field. 
Heathcliff came rushing up in an attempt to deprive me of time to recover. His cross-hilt longsword blazed forth at a speed worthy of a sin of the flash. Now that he was in the midst of a combination attack, I had to keep using both swords to my utmost just to block him. Asuna had given me as much information as she possibly could about Heathcliff's holy sword skill, but second-hand knowledge was a far cry from actual experience. My momentary reflexes were all that protected me from his onslaught. As soon as my left sword had blocked the last upward slash of his eight-part combo, I immediately unleashed the vorpal strike. Heavy attack with my right. R. Ra. With a metallic sound like a jet engine, my glowing red thrust. Hit the shield right in the middle of its crucifix. It felt like hitting a brick wall, but I didn't let that stop me. The collision was explosive, and it was Heathcliff's turn to be. Tossed backward, I didn't break through the shield, but I'd felt a little bit of give. His HP bar was ever so slightly smaller, but not enough to be a decisive blow. Heathcliff landed lightly on his feet and pulled back. Your reaction speed is admirable. And your defense is beyond tough. I darted forward again. Heathcliff raised his sword and closed. The distance. We traded furious combinations at high speed. His shield. Blocked my swords, my swords blocked his. Effects and trails of. Various colors fizzled around us, and the shock waves echoed off the stones of the arena floor. Occasionally, a quick strike would glance weakly off of one of us, and our HP bars slowly but steadily shrank. Even if neither of us landed a powerful blow, as soon as someone had fewer than 50%, the match would be over. But there wasn't a single cell in my brain, considering that as a means of victory. I was facing a true rival, a worthy foe, for the first time since I fell into SAO, and all of my senses were racing. Like never before. Every time I thought it couldn't get more intense, the attacks kicked into a higher gear, again. And again. Follow me if you can, Heathcliff. I was experiencing the ecstasy of battle, the sensation of my abilities unleashed to their fullest extent. If I had to guess, I was probably smiling. As the heat of our combat reached new heights, his health fell faster and faster, and that halfway point was calm ing into sight. In an instant, I finally saw something like emotion flash across. Heathcliff's mask of a face. What was it, panic? I felt the slightest. Hesitation, a tiny delay in my foe's attack tempo. Rhea. Seizing upon the moment, I abandoned all defense and went. On the offensive with both swords, Starburst Stream, a double-bladed assault named for the blazing arms of a solar prominence. It bore down on Heathcliff. HRG. He held up his shield to guard. I continued raining down. Blows, above and below, left and right. His responses grew slower. And slower. I was getting through. It was clear that my final barrage was going to break through. His defense. I saw his shield stray too far to the right, and my glowing strike from the left disappeared into Heathcliff's body. If it hit, 
his HP would easily fall below 50%, and I'd win the duel. But the world shifted. How else could I describe it? A moment of time stolen from me, perhaps. I sensed my body and everything else freeze for less than a tenth of a second. Everything except for Heathcliff. His shield, which should have been on the right, had blinked over to the left, like a transition between two frames of film. It easily deflected my perfect attack, my certain victory. Wah! Anytime a major attack is blocked, the attacker is left fatally frozen for an instant. Heathcliff did not miss his chance. I fell with a simple thrust of his sword, a minuscule attack, delivering just enough damage to bring the duel to an end. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see the purple system text and out ing the winner. Battle mode disengaged. The roar of the crowd rushed back into my ears, but I was still dumbfounded. Carito. Asuna ran over and helped me up. Why, yeah, I'm all right. She looked pensively into my slackened face. I'd lost. I still couldn't believe it. That incredible reaction that Heathcliff managed at the end was beyond the ability of any player, of any human being. It was as though his impossible speed actually broke his polygonal model for an instant. I looked up at Heathcliff, who was standing at a slight remove. Despite his victory, his face was sharp. Those metallic eyes fixed upon me for a moment, then the red paladin spun around without a word, striding through the storm of cheers to his waiting room. 14. W.H. What's up with this outfit? Seems pretty self-explanatory to me. Now stand up. Asuna had forced me into a new set of clothes. It was the same. Shape as my comfy, tattered old coat, but this one was pure, eye-watering white. There were two small red crosses on both sides of the collar to go with the large one on the back. It was my new Knights of the Blood uniform, as if that needed any explanation. I thought I asked for something a little less, striking. Trust me, that's one of our plainest designs. It looks good on you. I sank into the rocking chair, defeated. We were upstairs at Agile's, as usual. I'd claimed the space for my emergency shelter, and the poor shopkeeper was forced to sleep in a simple bed. Downstairs. The only reason he didn't kick me out was that Asuna had come to help with the shop for the last two days. She made for an effective marketing tool. As I groaned in the rocking chair, Asuna sat upon her familiar perch, the armrest. She rocked the chair back and forth, smiling at my stupid new outfit. After a few moments, she clasped her hands together as if remembering something. Oh, I guess I never gave you my official greeting. Welcome to our guild, recruit. She gave me a nod, and I straightened up in a hurry. Nice to meet you. I guess. The only problem is, I'm just a rookie, and you're the vice commander. I extended my hand, and traced a finger along her back. So I won't be able to do that anymore. Hayak. She leaped up with a shriek, smacked her new recruit on the head, then sat in the chair on the other side of the room, her cheeks puffed out. 
It was early afternoon in late fall. A calm silence fell upon the lazy sunlight. Two days had passed since my defeat at Heathcliff's hands. Just as he had demanded, I was now a member of the Cobb. It wasn't to my liking to raise a fuss at this point. They gave me two days to prepare, and the next day I would report to Guild HQ and begin my duty, clearing the 75th floor labyrinth. A guild. Asuna detected my brief sigh and glanced at me. Looks like you're stuck with us. It was good timing for me. I was hitting the limit of what I could do solo. Well, it's good of you to say so, hey, Carito. Her hazel eyes looked straight into mine. Tell me, why do you avoid guilds, and people in general? It's not just because you were a beta tester, or that you have a unique skill. You're too nice to do this. I looked away and rocked the chair slowly. Once, a long while back, more than a year ago, I think, I was actually in another guild. It surprised me how easily the words came. I had a feeling that, as soon as kind gaze would heal the pain that surfaced every time I let that memory rise to the surface. I happened across some folks in a labyrinth and rescued them. From trouble, which earned me an invitation to their guild. It was. Really small, just six members, including me. Their name was. Brilliant, the moonlit black cats. She giggled. The leader was a really good guy. He always thought of the. Members first, and we all trusted him. He was Kata, a staff wielder. Most of the others used two-handed, longer-range weapons, so they needed someone to take the forward position and keep enemies occupied. To be honest, their levels were considerably lower than mine. That was more a reflection of how obsessively I'd been working at it than a knock on their abilities. If I'd told them my actual level, Kata would likely have revoked his offer. But at the time I'd been growing weary of solo dungeon delving, and the comfortable atmosphere of the moonlit. Black Cats was welcoming. They were all friends in real life, and I couldn't help but be drawn in by the way they interacted without any of the distance that was often endemic to net games. When I chose to ignore everyone else and focus on improving my own level, I lost the right to seek the warmth of companionship, whispered the little voice in my ear. I had to suppress that dark voice, and accept their offer, hiding my level and my beta experience. Kata wanted to convert one of the guild's two lancers to a sword and shield fighter, and he asked me to help coach that process. That way, we'd have three people at forward, including me, which would balance our party. I was put in charge of Sachi, a gentle girl with black hair falling to her shoulders. When we first met, she laughed shyly and said that she'd been playing online games for a while, but had a hard time making friends. Most days that the guild wasn't doing active eye ties together, I was giving her one-on-one -on -one sword lessons. Sachi and I were alike in many ways. We had the tendency to create walls around ourselves, but despite our reticence, we both craved the presence of others. One day, out of the blue, she spilled her innermost secrets, too. Me. She was afraid to die. She was terrified of the game. She. 
didn't want to venture out into the wilderness at all. All I could do was tell her that she wouldn't die. I'd been hit ing my true level from her the entire time, I didn't have the right to say anything more. But when Sachi heard those words, she cried, and then smiled. Some time later, the five of us, aside from Kata, decided to venture into a labyrinth. He was back in town, negotiating with the money we'd earned to buy a house that would serve as our headquarters. The labyrinth had already been beaten, but there were still unmapped areas for us to explore. Just as we were preparing to leave, someone found a treasure chest. I recommended that we leave it behind. It was a high-level area on a floor close to the front line, and the party's disarm skill wasn't up to snuff. But only Sachi and I were dissenting voices, and the other three overruled us. The chest was trapped, an alarm trap, one of the worst of the wide variety that existed in SAO. A shrill alarm sounded from the chest, and countless monsters poured through every doorway into the room. Naturally, we chose the safe option and attempted to make an emergency teleportation. But the trap was twofold. It was an anti-crystal zone, we couldn't teleport out. There were too many monsters for me to protect everyone. The other members panicked and started to run. I used my best skills, the ones I'd been keeping secret, desperate to find us a way out. But the others were in a state of sheer terror and couldn't take advantage of my diversion. One by one, they ran out of health and shattered into pieces and screams. I kept swinging. Desperately trying to keep Sachi alive, if nothing else. But I was too late. A monster's blade cut her down mercilessly. As she lunged for my help, her hand outstretched. Up until the very instant, she disintegrated like a delicate glass sculpture, her eyes were full of nothing but faith in me. She trusted me, and clung to me. To my words, groundless, meaningless, proven false. At the very end, Kata was standing in front of our old headquarters, key to our new residence in hand, waiting for the group to return. When I came back alone and explained what had happened, he listened. In silence. When I finished, he asked, why were you the only survivor? I had to tell him the truth, that I was a much higher level, and had been a beta tester. Kata gave me the emotionless look that one gives something alien and said just one thing. You're a beater. You didn't have the right to get involved with us. Those words cut me deeper than any steely sword. And what happened to him? He killed himself. Her body jolted still in the chair. Threw himself off the outer edge. Probably cursed my name. To the very end. My voice caught. I tried to seal that memory away in a place where I could never revisit it again, but speaking it aloud brought the pain back as fresh as when it happened. I clenched my teeth. Asuna reached out a hand. I wanted to seek her salvation, but a voice in my heart told me I didn't deserve it. My hands balled into fists. I was responsible for murdering all of them, if I hadn't hid. 
The fact that I was a beater, they would have believed me when I warned them about the trap. I killed Kata, I killed Sachi. I forced my eyes open and squeezed the words out through. Gritted teeth. Asuna rose, came two steps forward, then took my face in her. Hands. She bore a gentle smile and leaned in very close. I'm not going to die. It was like a whisper, but her voice was clear. All the tension drained out of my body. After all, I'm the one protecting you. And she held my head to her chest. I was enveloped in soft, warm darkness. I closed my eyelids and saw, beyond the black veil of memory, the members of the moonlit black cats looking at me, seated at the counter of the old bar, the room brimming with orange light. My day of forgiveness would never come. I could never repay what I had done. But in my memory, their faces seemed to be smiling at me. The next morning, I slipped my arms through my fancy new white coat and left for Grand Sam with Asuna. Today was my first day of activity as a Knight of the Blood. But... While they normally worked in parties of five, Asuna had pulled some strings as vice commander and gotten us the privilege of making our own two-man party, so it was really no different from what we'd been doing before. But when we reached guild headquarters, the orders I got were not what I was expecting. Training. Correct. We will form a party of four, including me, and clear. The labyrinth of the 55th floor, finishing up in the town on the 56th. This was one of the four men I'd seen seated at the table der ING my last visit to this building. He was a large, curly-haired man, who was apparently an axe warrior. But Godfrey. Kurito Kuan's working with me. Asuna tried to butt in, but he simply raised an eyebrow and proceeded imperiously. You might be the vice commander, but you cannot simply run. Rush out over the regulations of the guild. If that's the party you desire when we are actually performing game-clearing duties, so be it. But as the leader of the forward line, I need to assess his ability. Just because he has a unique skill does not necessarily mean he will be useful. W.L. Kurito Kuan's strong enough that he wouldn't have any trouble dealing with you. I spoke up before Asuna could completely blow her cool. If you want to see what I can do, that's fine with me. I just don't want to waste my time on such a low-level labyrinth. I trust you. Don't mind if we blaze through it in no time? The man named Godfrey frowned with displeasure, told me to. Be at the west gate of the town in thirty minutes, then plotted. Off. What was that all about? Asuna stormed, kicking a nearby. Pole. I'm sorry, Kurito Kuan, I knew we should have just run off. On our own. Yeah, but then your guildmates would have cursed me to the ends of the earth. I smiled and patted her on top of the head. Ah, I thought we'd actually be together today. Maybe I should tag along. Don't worry, I'll be back in a jiffy. Just wait for me here. Okay. Be careful out there. I waved to her as she looked on solemnly, then I left the build ing. But for as much as the day's activity caught me by surprise, 
Noth ING prepared me for what I saw at the west gate of Granzam. There, waiting right next to Godfrey, was the last man in Einkrad I wanted to see, Coradiel. 15. What's going on here? I muttered to Godfrey. I'm well aware of what transpired between the two of you. But. Now you're guildmates. So let's let bygones be bygones, eh? He roared with laughter. Meanwhile, Coradiel slunk forward. I tensed up, ready to act, whatever came. We were inside the town zone, but there was no telling what he'd do. Instead, Coradiel surprised me by bowing his head. He spoke. In a murmur that was barely audible through his long bangs, I'm sorry, about what happened the other day. Now I was truly shocked. My mouth fell open. I won't treat you with such disrespect again, I beg your forgiveness. I couldn't see his face behind the greasy locks. Uh, sure, I brought myself to nod. What could have happened? Had he gotten brain surgery? That settles it, then. Godfrey bellowed with laughter again. I wasn't just being paranoid, there was clearly something going on. Here. But I couldn't read Coradiel's expression with his head. Tilted down. SAO simulated emotional expressions, but it tended, on the side of exaggeration, and subtle nuances didn't always. Show. I decided to accept his apology for politeness's sake, but made a mental note to stay wary of him. After a few minutes, one more guild member showed up, and we were ready to leave for the labyrinth. I started to walk, but Godfrey's heavy voice rang out behind me. Not so fast. Today's training is meant to be as close a simulatayan of the real thing as possible. I want to see how you handle Dangerous circumstances, so that means I'll need to confiscate all. Your crystals for the time being, even our teleport crystals? He nodded, as if this was obvious. I did not like this turn of events at all. Crystals, particularly teleportation crystals, were the player's last line of defense in a game where the stakes were deadly. At no point in my two years in Aincrad had I ever let my Stock run out. I was going to protest, but then thought better of it, as I didn't want to make things worse for Asuna. When I saw Coradiel and the other member obediently hand ING over their items, I reluctantly parted with my own. He meant. Business, too. I had to turn out my waste pouch before he was satisfied. Very good. Let's depart. Godfrey barked out the order and the four of us began walk ING from the gates of Granzam to the labyrinth visible far to the west. The 55th floor was a dry wasteland nearly devoid of green airy. I just wanted to get this exercise over with and suggested that we run to the labyrinth, but Godfrey vetoed that with a swing of his arm. Well, he probably dumped all of his points into strength rather than agility, so he can barely run anyway, I thought, and gave up. We ran into a few monsters, but I was in no mood to follow Godfrey's orders and dispatched them with a single blow each. Finally, once we'd crested the dozenth rocky hill, the gray stone labyrinth came into full view. Let's take a break here. Godfrey barked out, and the party came to a halt. 
I wanted to keep going straight through the labyrinth, but I figured they wouldn't heed my suggestion anyway, so I sat down. On a nearby rock. It was just passing noon. I'll distribute rations, Godfrey said, materializing four small, leather parcels and handing them out. I caught mine one-handed. And looked in, expecting to be disappointed. It contained a bottle. Of water and a small toasted bread you could buy from any NPC. Shop. Inwardly, I cursed my foul luck. I should be eating as soon as. Homemade sandwiches right about now. I took a swig of the. Water. My eye just happened to catch Coradiel sitting on a rock, slightly removed from the rest of us. He hadn't touched his bag. He was glaring at us from under his drooping bangs, an oddly. Dark look on his face. What was he staring at? Suddenly, a freezing shiver bolted through my body. He was. Waiting for something. Waiting, for. I threw the bottle away, trying to expel every last bit of the L-I-Q-U-I-D from my mouth. But it was too late. I could feel the strength draining from my body, and I fell to the ground. My HP bar was in the right hand. Corner of my vision, surrounded by a blinking green border. It was paralysis venom. Godfrey and the other member of our group were rolling on. The ground in agony as well. Instinctively, I forced my left hand, still mobile, down to my waist pouch, but another chill ran down. My back. Godfrey had my antidote and teleportation crystals. I did have healing potions, but they wouldn't cure the venom. Heh, heh heh heh. I heard a high-pitched chuckle. Above the rock, Kuradil was, holding his sides with laughter, doubled over. Those sunken, beady eyes were glinting with a familiar look of madness. Kaha. Haya haya. Haya ha 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 ha. He burst into crazed, unhinged gales of laughter. Godfrey Simply looked on in stunned disbelief. W.H., what's going on? Did you do this, to our water, Kuradil? Godfrey. Use the antidote crystals. I called out, and Godfrey. Finally began to search through his pack, achingly slow. Hiya. Kuradil gave a triumphant screech, leaped off the rock, and kicked Godfrey's hand away. A green crystal skittered over the dirt. Kuradil picked it up, then riffled through Godfrey's pack and pulled out several more, which he deposited into his own pouch. We were out of options. What is the meaning of this, Kuradil? Is this, some kind of, trial? You fools. Godfrey was woefully slow on the uptake, and Kuradil rewarded him with a kick in the mouth. Gah. Godfrey's HP bar shrank, just a bit, and Kuradil's cursor. Turned orange, to signify a criminal player. But that would have no effect on our plight. This floor was already cleared. No one would. Be luckily wandering by this exact stretch of wilderness. You know, Godfrey, I always thought you were stupid, I just. Didn't appreciate how much. His shrill voice echoed off the. Rocks. I've got plenty of things I want to say to you, but there's. No use stuffing yourself on the hors d'oeuvres. Coradiel drew his greatsword. He tilted his thin body backward and took a huge swing, the thick blade glimmering in the 
Sunlight. W8, Cora Deal. WH, what are you talking about? Isn't. This, part of the trial? Shut up and die already, Cora Deal spat. He swung the sword down without further ado. I heard a dull thud, and a huge chunk disappeared from Godfrey's HP bar. Godfrey had finally realized the severity of the situation and began to scream. It was far too late. Twice, then thrice, the blade flashed mercilessly. The HP bar lost a chunk each time, and when it reached the red zone, Ku Radial finally stayed his hand. For an instant, I actually thought he was going to stop short of murder. But Coradiel only flipped the sword around to a backhand grip, then sank it slowly into Godfrey's body. His health trickled down. Coradiel shifted his weight into it. Gaha! Hiaha! Coradiel's high-pitched squeal of delight practically matched. Godfrey's scream. The tip of the sword kept sinking farther, and the HP bar steadily shrank. As the other member and I watched helplessly, silently, Kuradiel's sword punctured through and hit the ground at the same moment that Godfrey's HP reached zero. I don't think Godfrey ever fully realized what was happening, even up to the moment that he exploded into countless pieces. Kuradiel slowly pulled his greatsword out of the ground, then swiveled his head at the neck to stare at us like some kind of Grotesque automaton. Ia. Ia. The other guildman uttered short shrieks and vainly attempted to escape. Coradiel hopped over to him with an odd gait. I've got nothing against you, but in my story, I've got to be. The only survivor, he muttered, swinging his sword again. Eek. Got that? Our doomed party. He struck, ignoring the other man's screams was set upon by vagabonds in the wilderness. Another blow. And while the other three died valiantly. And another. I alone succeeded in breaking the attacker's spirits to return. To the guild alive. On the fourth strike, the man's HP was empty. The sound sent. Involuntary chills throughout my body. To Coradiel, it must have. Sounded like the voice of a goddess. He was trembling with E.C. Stasi in the midst of the shattering polygons, his face a mask of pure bliss. This isn't his first time, I realized. True, before he began this assault, he didn't have the telltale orange criminal cursor, but there are plenty of trickier ways to cause death without tipping off the system. At any rate, it was too late to realize this now. Coradiel finally trained his gaze on me. There was unbridled glee in those eyes. He approached slowly, wincingly scraping the tip of his sword along the ground. So, hey, he murmured, stooping down to hover over me. Now I've killed two innocent men, all for the sake of one kid. By my reckoning, you got quite a kick out of it. I talked to keep him busy, but my mind was racing, trying to Find a way out of this desperate situation. I could only move my mouth and left hand. Under this paralysis, I couldn't open my menu, couldn't send anyone a message. Knowing that it was probably pointless, I tried to move my hand to a position where 
Coradiel couldn't see it, while I kept him occupied with dialogue. Why did you join the Cobb, anyway? You'd do better in one of the criminal guilds. Isn't that obvious? It was her, Coradiel rasped, licking his lips with a pointed tongue, when I realized he was talking about Asuna, my entire body burned. You filthy rat. Oh, don't look at me that way. It's just a game, isn't it? Don't. Worry. I'll take good care of your beloved vice commander. I've got plenty of handy items just for that purpose. Coradiel picked up the bottle of poison nearby and sloshed the liquid inside. He gave me a sloppy wink and went on. What you said was quite interesting, about my being suited. For a criminal guild, though. It's true, isn't it? I'm paying you a compliment, see? Very sharp of you. He giggled again, deep in his throat, then suddenly unequipped one of his gauntlets. He pulled back the white sleeve of his robe and showed me the underside of his bare forearm. I gasped when I saw it. A tattoo. A caricatured drawing of a black coffin. A leering pair. Of eyes and mouth were drawn on the shifted lid, and a bony arm. Was poking out from within the coffin. That logo, is that laughing coffin? I rasped. Coradiel gnawed dead with an eager grin. Laughing Coffin was once the largest PK guild in Ancrad. Led. By their cruel and clever leader, they devised new and novel ways. To kill their targets, and the body count eventually reached triple. Digits. Attempts were made to come to a peaceful resolution with. Them, but the man who volunteered to be the messenger only. Wound up dead. It was impossible to fathom the motives of those who would kill their fellow players when that could only diminutivish the possibility of beating the game. Talking it out was never going to work. Eventually, the clearers arranged a boss-style raid ING party and wiped them out in a bloody assault. It wasn't that. Long ago, Asuna and I had both taken part in the raid. Somehow, word of our plan had leaked out, and the murderers were ready for us. I went half-mad, trying to protect the lives of my fellow players, and by the end of the battle, I personally killed two members of Laughing Coffin. Is this, vengeance? Are you one of the remnants of LC? I asked hoarsely, but Coradiel laughed at the question. Huh. Hardly. Like I'd be that pathetic. I was only recently inducted into LC. But only mentally. That's when they taught me. This handy paralysis trick, oopsie. He rose to his feet with a mechanical smoothness and loudly. Regripped his sword. Better wrap up the chit-chat before your poison wears off. Time for the grand finish, I think. Every single night since our. Duel, I've dreamed of this moment. Fires of delusion burned in the full circles of his gaping eyes, and a long tongue snickered out of his wide-stretched mouth. Kuradiel stood on tiptoes to brandish his blade. Just before he could start bringing the sword down, I flicked. The throwing pick I'd hidden in my left hand. I could only use the wrist, and although I was aiming for his face, the paralysis low-aired my accuracy rating. 
The pick flew offline, sinking into Ku Radil's left arm. The effect on his HP bar was hopelessly insignificant. That hurt. He wrinkled his nose and pulled back his lips. Kuradil poked the tip of his sword into my arm. He twisted twice, then three times, as though screwing it in. I didn't feel any pain, but I felt the distinctly unpleasant sense of tie-in of numbed nerves being directly stimulated. As the sword dug farther into my arm, my HP slowly but surely trickled away. Isn't it done yet? Isn't the poison wearing off? I gritted my teeth and waited for the moment I would be free. Paralysis normally lasted about five minutes, though it could vary, depending on the strength of the venom. Coradiel pulled the sword back and jabbed it into my left foot. This time. Again, the nerve-deadening sensation shot through me, and the damage numbers mercilessly piled up. Well? What's it like? Knowing that you're just about to die. Tell me, why don't you, he whispered, staring into my face. Why don't you say something, boy? Why don't you cry and wail? About how you don't want to die? My HP was under half now, the bar yellow. The paralysis. Would not dispel. I could feel a chill settling into my body. The specter of death snuck up my legs, clad in a robe of pure cold. I'd witnessed death firsthand multiple times in Sword Art Online. Every single victim, in the moment that they'd burst into. Countless shards, held the same expression, am I really going to die right now? Somewhere within all of us, there was a lack of belief that the game stated rules could actually be true, that death within the game was death, period. It was almost a sense of hope, an expectation that once our HP hit zero and we disintegrated, we would simply wake up in the real world, safe and sound. There was no way to determine the truth outside of death. In that sense, dying might just be another means of escape from the game. Come on, say something. You're going to die soon, hello? Coradiel pulled the sword out of my foot and stuck it against my belly. My HP sank faster now, reaching into the red danger zone, but even now it still felt like it was happening off in another world. As the agony continued, my thoughts raced down a path. Without light. A heavy, thick layer of gauze enveloped my mind. But, suddenly, an unbearable fear seized my heart. Asuna. I was going to disappear and leave her behind. Asuna. Would fall into Coradiel's clutches, and she would suffer the way. I had. This possibility burned with a white pain that shot me too. My senses. Gah. My eyes opened wide, and with my left hand, I grabbed the sword Coradiel was plunging into my stomach. I summoned all my strength and slowly pulled it out. I had just under 10% of my health left. Coradiel murmured, surprised. Uh, huh. What's this? Afraid to die after all? That's right, I can't die yet. Ka. Hiya hiya. Is that so? Well, that's more like it. Coradiel cackled like some monstrous bird, then put all of his weight into the sword. 
I tried to push back with my one hand. The system was weighing my strength stat and core deals, pitting complex calculations against one another. The resulting outcome, the tip of the sword slowly but surely, began to descend. I was plunged into fear and despair. Is this really it? Will I die? Am I leaving Asuna behind in this twisted, insane world? I fought desperately against the twin perils of the approaching sword point and the fear gripping my heart. Now die. Die ee. Coradiel shrieked. Inch by inch, my murder approached in the form of a dull gray point of metal. The tip grazed my body, then sank just a bit. A burst of wind shot through the air. A wind colored white and red. Wah. Huh. The murderer looked up with a scream of surprise, then went. Flying through the air with his sword. I stared silently at the figure. That had descended in his place. I made it, I made it, God, I made it. Her trembling voice was as beautiful as the winged beat of an angel. Asuna nearly crumpled over me, her lips quivering, her eyes wide. He's alive, you're alive, right, Carido? Yeah, I'm alive. I was surprised to hear how weak and faded my voice was. Asuna gave a big nod, pulled a pink crystal out of her pocket, placed a hand on my chest, and said, Heal. The crystal crumb bled and my HP immediately shot all the way to full. Hang on a sec. I'll finish this up real quickly, she said after. Confirming that I was properly healed. She gracefully unsheathed her rapier and began walking. Ahead, Coradiel was finally getting to his feet. When he saw the figure approaching him, his eyes grew wide. Ah. El Lady Asuna, why are you here? I, I mean, this is just a trial, yes, a trial that went wrong. He sprang to his feet and attempted to squeak out an excuse, but he never finished. Asuna's hand flashed, and the tip of her rapier slashed Coradiel's mouth because he was already labeled. A criminal player, Asuna had free reign to attack him without being branded the same. Bois. He stumbled backward, a hand to his mouth. After a momentary pause, he rose again, a familiar loathing splotched across his face. That's enough from you, bitch, ha. Huh? This is perfect. You'll be joining them soon Inu. But this was cut short as well. Asuna readied her weapon and struck again. HRRG, F. He desperately tried to parry with his two-handed sword, but it was woefully slow. Asuna's sword point slashed back and forth with countless streams of light tearing across and through Ku Radil's body with frightful speed. Even being several levels above. Asuna, I couldn't follow her attacks in the slightest. I was entranced by a vision of an angel, dancing with her sword. It was beautiful. The sight of Asuna, her chestnut hair bound ing, silently devastating her foe, while wreathed in righteous. Anger, was a thing of sheer beauty. Ag. Gah. Fear had finally set in, and Coradiel's wild swings weren't. Even coming close to landing. His HP bar dropped lower and lower, 
and when it was about to shift from yellow to red, he finally dropped his sword and raised his hands in surrender. A all right, all right. I'm sorry, it was all my fault. He cowered on the ground. I'll leave the guild. You'll never see me. Again, I swear. Just don't. Asuna silently listened to his piteous wails. Slowly, she raised her rapier, then spun it in the palm of her hand to point downward. Her slender arm clenched and rose several inches, preparing to thrust it directly into the small of Coradiel's back as he hunched prostrate on the ground. The murderer emitted an even, high-pitched scream. Eek! I don't want to die. The point stopped as though it had hit an invisible wall. Her body was visibly trembling. Even from here, I could feel the inter-NAL battle of Asuna's hesitation, rage, and fear. As far as I knew, she had never taken the life of another player. Killing a player in Sword Art Online meant the death of that player in real life, too. PK was a familiar term to online gamers, but it obfuscated the truth, here, it was actual murder. That's right, Asuna. Stop. You can't do this. But at the same time, a part of me screamed the opposite. No, don't hesitate. He's hoping you'll stay your hand. An instant later, my fears came true. Hiya! Coradiel sprang up from his begging position, his sword flash ing as he screamed. With a metallic clang, the rapier flew out of Asuna's hand. Wah! Asuna yelped and lost her balance. The sword glinted over her. Head. Not very smart, vice commander, he screamed, unhinged. Coradiel swung the sword downward without hesitation, trailing. Deep red light. Raph. This time the roar was mine. The paralysis finally undone, I leaped up, crossing several yards in an instant, pushing Asuna. Out of the way, and taking Coradiel's sword full on my left arm. Chunk, it rang unpleasantly. My left forearm flew off, severed. At the elbow. Below my HP bar, a limb damage icon flashed. Crimson particles meant to resemble blood spurted out of the cut, but I straightened the fingers of my right hand and thrust it straight into the gap in his heavy armor. My arm flashed yellow and sank wetly into Coradiel's stomach. 